0: Louisiana, where the alligators grow so mean The little girl that I swear to the world Made the alligators look tame Poke salad in it, poke salad in it Everybody said it was a shame, cause her mama wasn't working on a chain game. This is <clears throat> Every day for supper time, she'd go down by the truck patch and pick her mess of poke salad and carry it home in a tote sack. Poke salad, Annie, the kid has got your granny choked. The city, boys, the same. Cause her mama was a wretched, a a spiteful, straight razor-totin' woman.
1: <laughs> a wretched, spiteful, straight razor-totin' woman. Poke Salad Annie. My kind of woman, folks. Yeah. We need more white women like that just to, to defend our race. How you doing, Michael? today uh,
2: I, yeah i'm doing good as you <laughs> said women are needed in this struggle too but i guess it is more we men that could option those political we first jump into political because we see it's a way to maybe yeah a real politics not this what they call it Kasper theater not this uh, right. phony phony politics yeah. real politics that is yeah. about vaccines that about eradicating the white race this all this nonsense that is real politics. The other one is just yeah. just for your amusement, I would say.
1: Yeah, right yeah. yeah, well the world as we have said very often, the world is nothing but Jewish theater. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let me uh, unmute myself here on uh, telegram. yeah, the world is nothing but Jewish theater folks, and we in identity are trying to bring us ourselves back into reality. Which, if you don't have a biblical grounding on Jacob and Esau, right? If you don't have a biblical grounding on Jacob and Esau, their origin and what their bloodline is, then you really don't know what the Bible's all about, and you really don't know what politics are all about today. Because it's still the conflict between Jacob and Esau, and it's bloody, folks. It's very bloody. Like uh, the song, Poke Salad and." <laughs> And he says, folks, uh, uh, we need to so a straight razor-toting woman, uh, you know, uh, but you, you can't allow yourself to be eaten by an alligator like Granny was, okay? So this is war, folks. We are in both a spiritual and political real war, okay? That's what we need to understand. So uh, we're going to be doing uh, part two of our study on Jacob and Esau. And I'll put the link uh, in, I think I already put the link in the chat room. But we're going to start uh, first by talking about Romans 11, where uh, we have to, we made two very important points last week about why the Judahites were hated by the Romans, or uh, maybe not necessarily hated, but resented. Why the Judahites were resented by the Romans, and we're talking about the real bloodline of Judah, versus the Edomite Judeans, who came much later and were primarily influencing the Roman Caesars, okay? So we have to understand, when people use the word Jew with respect to this part of of history in Rome, they don't know the difference between the true pure-blooded Judahites And the Edomite Judeans, who were affecting the Roman Empire in two completely different ways, but both were resented for that. But uh, the the vast majority of the Roman people, they never engaged the Edomite Judeans, namely the Pharisees, uh, Herod, Antipater, and people like that. They were only dealing with the the powerful Roman Caesars. Okay, Is is that clear Michael, you get what I'm saying here yeah, mean that's
2: this is one of those i don't know, I don't know this one of the keys you need to have for the Bible to know. Yeah, who is who in this in this zoo? In this, uh, otherwise you don't can make sense of the Bible. You say that oh, the Old Testament is evil. It's full of evil. No, it's not evil. It is our law. It was our forefathers implemented the law, and that is not evil. That is yeah. if you have if you if you truly love something, you also have to hate something. And what you need to hate is the one that doesn't follow Yahweh's law. Because and and the one that that God said that we are. Supposed to hate us he hate them, and that is, of course, Esau, Edom today. That's he hates.
1: Yeah. yeah, we have to hate evil. I mean, David plainly says, you must hate evil, all right? But the modern Judeo say, oh, you can't hate. You have to be love, love, love. Yeah, it's funny. These, these Judeo-Christians who preach love, 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 when you contradict their belief, then they jump all over you like a like a rabid like dog right? And don't contradict me. You're evil. Wait a minute. You were just preaching love two seconds ago. Alright? <laughs> but that's, you know, people don't, you know, they don't live their philosophy. They don't live their belief system. Most people, in fact, Michael, are hypocrites. Okay? Most people are hypocrites. Yeah. They talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Exactly. And yeah. Okay. And that's what Paul is all about. That's what Paul tells these Judahites. You people, you are hypocrites. You you say you practice the law, but you stab each other in the back. You practice usury on one another. Uh, you, you you probably eat pork <laughs> when no when nobody else is looking, right? Okay, so before we get into the document, we're going to go into Romans eleven eleven, where it's falsely titled Gentiles Grafted In. And this is about those Zerah Judahites and also those Pharaohs Judahites who migrated up to Rome from Palestine after the horrible wars uh, that the Judahites had with the Greeks and the infighting among themselves you know, the Hasmoneans, the Maccabeans, that was a really turbulent history for the house of Judah, the tribe of Judah. And a lot of those Judahites left and went to places unknown, but many of them settled in Rome where they were very much welcomed because they were a hardworking, prosperous people, and they paid their taxes to the Roman state. Okay? So the government, of Rome loved these people because of those qualities. However, the Roman pagans hated these Judahites because, well, they were given favored treatment because of those traits, right? And they paid more taxes than those pagans. They worked harder than those pagans. They accomplished more than those pagans, as is true today, right? We Judahites and other Israelites are way more productive than any pagan nation ever was. Over to you, Michael.
2: Yes. Um, and uh, I just want to also, as you as you started off this with uh, the people that are hypocrites, because I think also important to say that people say they are so open-minded, but no, they're not. They only want you to say something that verified their word true. They don't want to have something that that will uh, somehow contradict their word true, because then their narcissistic view of the world is collapsing. Because they are so narcissistic they, they can't. <laughs> they are so narcissistic that they they can't even fathom that what they think they know is completely wrong,
1: completely but they can't take
2: that because they're so narcissistic.
1: Right, right. Yeah, well, because well, we're stiff-necked Israelites, are we not? Uh, change is hard to come by. You have to really work on that, right? We have to work on that and get get things right, okay? if, if We're supposed to set the example to the world of, well, I don't, I don't want to call it open-mindedness, that's too broad a term, but uh, when the truth hits you in the face, and contradicts your old belief then you should say okay well wait a minute maybe i was wrong <laughs> maybe i need to correct a few things maybe i should be obeying law, yahweh's law maybe i shouldn't be eating pork right maybe i should be practicing the feast days so but uh, you know judeo christianity is stuck in a rut and it's a, it's a jewish rut they have are stuck in a jewish rut and and many uh, people in Christian identity have not let that old baggage go and are still stuck in that rut. But here, let's get into Romans chapter 11. And it says this, and this is a false heading, Gentiles grafted in. As we read through this, we will find no Gentiles were grafted in. We have the correct view of this. Romans 11:11. 11, 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? He's talking about the, uh, you know, the Israelites. That uh, the Israelites, who were grafted back in, not Gentiles, Israelites, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the nations, and this is the Israelite nations, okay, ethnos, for to provoke them to jealousy, because this is the covenant message. It's exclusive to Israel, and uh, my good friend. David Ewing, may he rest in peace, and I'm sure we'll meet him in the kingdom, did the word studies on this word Gentile, cross-referencing into the Old Testament and other portions of the New Testament. And he found that well over 90%, probably more like 98%, of all the instances of the word Gentile are actually references to Israelites. Okay? The mainstream Christian Christian world is, is not interested in doing word studies and doing these comparisons and doing cross-referencing. They're just not interested in doing that. So Paul here is talking about the nations. The nations of Israel is what he's talking about here. Okay. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the nations, how much more their fullness? Okay, so if we are prosperous... This is exactly what I described. If we Israelites are prosperous, how much more prosperous is the world? Okay? Feeding off the riches we provide them, which they totally, uh, uh, how should I put, they have no appreciation for what we actually do for them, right? They blame it. They call us evil white people, even though they would have nothing. Civilization, It was created by us. They would have nothing without us. They'd still be living in the dark ages. The dark, the 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 recesses of darkest Africa is where they would still be, without us. Okay, let's continue. Uh, You you have a comment there?
2: Yeah, man. As you said, they have this. I don't know this uh, jealousy about us, but oftenly they. It's this like. They eat from our table, this crumbs that comes down from the table. And that is what they're getting blessed too by it, by all the That's all the different, um, all our, what do you say, our scientific knowledge that we yeah. have provided to the world. Everything is basically from white people. How much haven't they prospered by, uh, by using the technology we invent? Because we are the inventors of technology.
1: Yeah. They ride in airplanes that we invented. They drive cars that we invented. They play games that we invented. And yet we're we're the evil white people. Yeah, it's jealousy. It's a love-hate relationship. They don't want to admit that we are God's chosen people, <laughs> right? And they want to act like they are God's chosen. Role-playing, right? I think you put that post in Telegram, LARPing right? People role-playing, but not actually doing anything. (laughs) But nevertheless, uh, we need to role-play because we need to sharpen our sword-fighting skills. We need to sharpen our aim, right? Etc. Because things are getting very nasty, folks. Very, very nasty. Yeah, there's a love-hate relationship between us and the rest of the world. And you said the right word, Michael, jealousy. They are jealous of us, okay? Because why? We are Yahweh's chosen people. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, but they don't want to acknowledge that, and they falsely believe the Jews are God's chosen people. So this is the situation that prevailed that Paul is actually talking about here, okay? Verse 13, For I speak to you nations inasmuch as I am of the apostle of the, na- the, the dispersion. I speak to you dispersion the dispersed Israelites inasmuch as I am the apostle to the dispersed Israelites I magnify mine office if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh he's referring to these so-called Gentiles as being members of his flesh why because they are in fact Israelites and might save some of them for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but the life from the dead? Okay, so if, if you, being cast off Israelites, having been cast off Israelites, what, what's your destiny? What's your destiny? Well, you have to understand that you are, in fact, Israelites, and that you are the people who are grafted in, not the Gentiles not the other nations, not the rest of the world. The covenant message does not include anything but Israelites and Adamites, by extension, because we are the leading tribe of all the Adamite tribes. Okay? Verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them be but the life from the dead? Okay? Well, grafting the... the, Dispersed Israelites back into the fold is what happened at the cross. Because the prophecy clearly says that all 12 tribes will be forgiven of their old sins, not just the house of Judah. Correct, Michael? Yes. Yeah. What don't they understand? Okay. All 12 tribes. Which he also refers to the the cast-off tribes, meaning the ten tribes, are referred to as the uncircumcision. That word does not refer to the so-called Gentiles or non-Israelites, and he refers to the house of Judah as the circumcision. Okay, that's what he means by those two words that, that he uses in other places. Okay, for if the first fruit be holy. The lump is also holy, which means dedicated. It means set aside, set apart, because we, his Israel people, are his inheritance. We are his inheritance. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. In John chapter 15, Yahshua says, I am the root, ye are the branches. (laughs) Okay? He's speaking only to Israelites there. Of all twelve tribes, verse seventeen. And if some of the branches be broken off, that's the ten tribes he's referring to, and he's also referring to Zerah Judah here, Michael. He's yes, also... they don't the...
2: go um, ahead. Because yeah, and Zerah Judah, he saw I guess his um, his mission down in Palestine. He couldn't uh, how to say fulfill it, so he left for Europe instead because. They' down in Palestine, and in Egypt, you had Ferris Judah, his other twin uh, twin brother, so That's he right. he migrated away and they created in the long uh, the road the Roman Empire is from Sarah Judah. that 's right. also Ireland because they have this red uh, red scarlet on their
1: flags yeah, the red hand of Ulster is a reference to zara Judah right his the uh, midwife tied a red thread around uh, the wrist of Zerah Judah because he stuck his arm out from the birth canal, but then drew it back in, but then Phares came out first. So Phares's whole body came out before Zerah's whole body. But nevertheless, Zerah th- thinks, oh, because I stuck my arm out and I had the red thread on my wrist, that I should be the elder son. Right? And this is a kind of infighting we have amongst ourselves as Israelites all the time. We have this infighting going on all the time. And it's throughout history. Okay? Now even it applies to Jacob and Esau as well, because Esau was Jacob's brother, not a twin brother, but from the same womb, having the same father, fraternal twins, having the same father. So, you know, this kind of infighting is crucial. The difference between Jacob and Esau is absolutely crucial to the proper understanding of the Bible. It's just as important as Genesis 3, 14, and 15. So, and here, this is great advice that he's giving us. Let me repeat this. And if some of the branches be broken off, he's talking about branches that were broken off the original tree. Is he not, Michael,
2: Exactly. You, you cannot graft in something that was never part of the tree from the beginning.
1: Right. You can't. This is not talking about the Gentile world as the Judeo Christians understand it. It's not talking about other peoples, other nations, other races. It's talking about the dispersed Israelites and also about Zahra Judah, who was broken off uh, during even before the Exodus, during the enslavement of the Israelites in Egypt. Zerah Judah and his companions, including some Danites who actually sailed up to Ireland, and Zerah Judah sailed up to Ireland. That's where the Irish get the Red Hand of Ulster from, okay? They don't know that they're Zerah Judahites, or very few of them know, okay? That's why we're here, to explain this to them. That thou, being a wild olive tree... Why? Because they left... During the, even before the Exodus, and became a wild olive tree that was broken off the original tree of Israel. That's what Paul is saying here. We're grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. It's still an olive tree. It's not an apple tree. It's not a pear tree. It's not a peach tree. They are part of the olive tree. They are part of the root, which uh, Yahshua talks about in, in uh, John chapter 15. Let's continue. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the, the root bearest thee. We are, he is the root. Yahshua is the root. We are the branches. And we have to remember that at all times. Verse 19 Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. In other words, what he's saying, if he didn't spare Judah, the house of Judah, which was being judged already at this point in time, you should be afraid because Yahweh may not spare you either. Okay? So this is a warning given given by Paul to all of the Romans, whether they be of Zara Judah or whether they be of Z- Phares Judah that migrated up into Rome much later, okay? Then, uh, you know, both of you need to say, uh, my root, I, I am, my root is Yahshua Messiah and nothing else. Okay? And, uh, And in addition to this, the 10 tribes had a lot of excess baggage they brought in, namely paganism, Greek and Roman paganism, which they brought in when they came back into the fold when they were forgiven. But again, the prophecy said it. All 12 tribes will be uh, redeemed by a Messiah. All 12 tribes, not just the two tribes of Judah. Okay. So you have to understand that's what's going on here. This is what Paul was trying to explain to both the broken-off branch of Zerah Judah and the dispersed Israelites who were all coming back into the fold at this time. Paul was reminding them who they are. They're Israelites of the ten tribes, okay? That's what's really going on here. The Judeo-Christian commentators are totally... Mistaken about Gentiles being grafted. In. No, it's only Israelites being grafted back in having f- broken away from the original branch. Okay. All right, Michael. I hope that's clear. I hope we're getting this straight. Okay. So let's get it. Yeah. The, okay.
2: Yeah. Um, and just comment this. Also, this is a, I don't know, because in, in English you have the concordance, you can look up the word, because otherwise this is very confused in a way. I mean, at least in Sweden, when I try to talk about this subject, and they say, oh, it's a Jew. No. No, but look yeah. up the word. It is not Jew. It is an Idumean. Uh, yeah. Idumean. Uh, the yeah.
1: yeah. A, they're two different people. Uh, they're bitter enemies, in fact. The Idumeans. And the Judahites are two completely different people, yet they're lumped together by the word Jew, as most people understand it. It's a horrible misidentification,
2: right? It you is. Can't, yeah. That creates a lot of of confusion. I don't know how to really get through to people about this because this one is,
1: yeah, yeah it is it's,
2: not so easy.
1: It's it's yes, it's because- very yes, it's very difficult. And the way I explain it is this. If you have two completely different genomes living next to each other in the same city, such as Jerusalem, and the one group of people is a racially pure bloodline of Judah, and the other group of people is a mixed-race hodgepodge of pagans, Canaanites, Edomites, Kenites, etc., which is what they are, and you use a single word to refer to both groups as if they were the same people, the words you're using don't mean anything. All right? So I compare it to here in America. We have cowboys and Indians. Okay? And then you invent a word, let's say, cowdian, to refer to both groups. But the cowboys are cowboys, the Indians are Indians, and never the twain shall meet. This is how the word Jew has been abused by the Jews those Edomite Idumeans that uh, create this confusion. You have to have precise definitions of words. You cannot have words which have opposite meanings as part of their definition. You cannot have words like that, okay? But that's how Bible scholarship has been flummoxed by the Jews for the last 2,000 years, by accepting their terminology. No, it's Judah, it's Edom, and those are two completely different groups of people, and we should use the correct terminology. The word "Jew" confuses the issue. Okay, so yes, mightily, yeah. yes, mightily, mightily. Okay, now I forgot, I lost my place as to where we were to begin. Pick up, I should say. And
2: um, uh,
1: yeah, I have the place where we left off. Okay, and what's the uh, what's the sentence where? Where, uh, I sent you pictures.
2: It said, it is to answer this question that St. Paul draws our attention to Romans 9, verses 10 to 13.
1: Okay. Uh, why can't I find it? Well, I'm probably too too far behind. It is to answer this question. I had it before we started, but I've been multitasking. Okay. But why don't you just go ahead and pick it up, and I'll, I'll catch up with you.
2: I can pick it up without reading.
1: Yeah, uh, because when I
2: printed it out, it's on PDF. It's on page four in the PDF.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm looking. I'm reading off the line off the, off the uh, internet. That's the link I gave people. But so, uh, please continue. So
2: let's continue
1: It is to answer
2: this question that St. Paul draws our attention in Romans 9 verses 10 to 13 to the uh, lives of Jacob and Esau in the book of Genesis. By coming to understand the themes of their lives and the lives of the nations, Israel and Edom, named after them in the Hebrew scriptures, it is possible to read St. Paul in this chapter and understand what he is saying about um, the then-present situations in the Roman Church. And I say, when they use the word Roman Church, that is, I guess, is that more the ecclesia of the Judahites in Rome?
1: Yes, yeah. So, so the Roman, again, the word church is a bad word. You know, this, this person is a Judeo-Christian, So he uses Judeo-Christian terminology, which we have to correct because there is no such thing as Judeo-Christianity. And the Roman church, the Catholic church was universalistic in its outlook, in its activities. In fact, it wanted to rule the world uh, throughout most of its history. And so they wanted to subsume all races underneath the thumb of the papacy. Right. So, uh, By coming to the understanding, the themes of their lives and the lives of the nations, Israel and Edom, very important subject, which most Christians, even in identity, a lot of identians don't understand the importance of the difference between Edom and Judah. They don't get it, right? They don't focus on that. Israel and Edom named after them in the Hebrew Scriptures. It is possible to read St. Paul in these chapters and understand what he's saying. uh, about the the then-present situation in the Roman church. Now, he's talking about Rome, the city of Rome, and the the fact that we have these Israelites who are up there, but we also have Edomites up there. (laughs) Okay? That's the important thing. So, please continue. Thank you.
2: So, and Paul quotes uh, two texts in referring to Jacob and Esau. The first is from the book of Genesis and cons- concerns the two human persons, Jacob and Esau, the twin twins born of Rebecca. Genesis twenty five twenty three state as Saint Paul cites it the old shall serve the younger end of quote. And this is matter of fact. Uh, this is represented during the Middle Ages in Europe, when the Jews was always in the background. That's they right. were maybe the advisors to the kings, but they were serving us.
1: That's right. Now it's the opposite. That's exactly yeah, ever since uh, ever since the, the Napoleonic Wars, when the Rothschilds, who are in fact Edomite Jews, were elevated above us. That the fulfilling the prophecy that Isaac made to Esau, because Isaac refused to bless him. Esau begged Isaac for a blessing, but Isaac refused to give it to him. He said, He issued a prophecy and said, said, The day will come when you will have the dominion over your brother Jacob. We're living in that time period right now. Back to you.
2: Yeah, and that also fills this thousand year prophecy that, that the dragon will be bound for a thousand years.
1: Yes, uh, that's the Holy Roman Empire, that, then... yeah, uh, 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 which was started by Charlemagne in 800 AD. And was ended by Napoleon in 1804, the exact date when he crowned himself. And uh, that put an end to the Holy Roman Empire and pretty much ended the Roman Catholic Church as well.
2: And this is also a, a, a place for, I don't know, confusion among our people. We, they believe that the thousand-year reigns, that that will come after when Yeshua returns and then the 1,000-year range and then yeah. Satan will let loose again and we go all again. But then yeah. would Yeshua have to come back the third time then?
1: Uh, if we haven't learned our lessons in the last 2,000 years, will we ever? <laughs> right? <laughs> will we yeah. ever? Yeah. Okay. No, when he comes, when he returns, that's when the kingdom begins and the prof- all the prophecies state... That the kingdom will last forever, will not be interrupted, you know, for a thousand years, and we have to face all these trials again. No, no, that's not going to happen. So, uh, where were we? Okay, uh, yeah, uh, the older shall serve rep- the younger. No. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. Uh, to comment on what you just said, it's very important that the prophecy that Isaac made to Esau that he would have dominion over Jacob, over us, is happening right now. And that is the little season that is spoken of in, in the book of Revelation. We are living in that little season when the Jews have have established dominion over us. And when Yahshua returns, he will put an end to their dominion over us, and they will not rule over, over us ever again. Back to you.
2: Oh, look forward to that day. Yeah. Everything will be put back in order.
1: Yeah, back in order. rest the restoration, yes. Yes, so representing a
2: reversal of the normal order of things in which the firstborn would have inherited and led the father's household. So, But that, um, but that did um, Esau forsook his birthright, so he cannot really lead the father's household because he yes. rejected his birthright. He despised yes. it by going away with Canaanite yes. women, and yeah. then he took an Ishmaelite woman, but still, it was never an Israelite.
1: Yes, right. Well, well, yeah, obviously uh, Esau was never an Israelite, right, because his brother Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, okay? But nevertheless, you're absolutely right. He rejected his birthright. The, The author is very much correct in saying the firstborn would have inherited and led the father's household, but the firstborn rejected that birthright. And the firstborn was Esau, not Jacob. Please continue. Yes, so even in Genesis
2: 25, the eventual nations um, descended from these individuals is in Jew. But in the second text quoted by St. Paul, this is even more clear. Malachi 1 verse 3 says, quote, Jacob, I have loved, Esau, I have hated, oh, Does Yahweh hate
1: people? Oh yeah, he sure does. He he hates Jews, especially, which are descended from Esau.
2: Yes, and in the long run, Satan's satanic seed. Amen. Amen. You get it. You understand
1: what the Bible actually teaches. The world has yet to understand these things. Back to you.
2: Yeah, but they cannot stomach it. They are not grown up. They cannot stomach to realism to death. Yeah. Well,
1: the Judeo-Christians worship the Jews as if they were God's chosen, and the the non-seedliners don't want to admit that they were they're the offspring of Satan back in Genesis 3:14 and 15. They don't want to admit that. All right, back to you.
2: Yeah, and that was something you made clear when you did the shows on the one seedliners so that they don't want to recognize Satan at all.
1: That's right. They don't believe in a Satan either. That's another problem. Okay, but we'll clarify that. We'll 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 explain it to them. Okay, that's why we're doing these shows. Okay, please continue.
2: Uh, Malachi prophesied in the fifth century BC, well over a millennium after the lives of Jacob and Esau, and is very clearly speaking of the reformed Judea and the Persia and the nation of Edom.
1: Okay, so let's uh, get this clear. Judea, it would be uh, an anachronistic word because the House of Judah never referred to themselves as Judea. Again, uh, do the Cherokee Indians call themselves Americans? No, they don't. They (laughs) they call themselves Cherokee. Do the Comanche call themselves Americans?
2: They refer to the tribal name, they
1: Yeah, Comanche. They call themselves Comanche. They they are proud of their racial heritage, and they want to maintain the integrity of their people, right? Why is it that only the white race is supposed to give up the integrity of our, you know, our heritage? Why is it only white people are supposed to give that up? Other people don't, okay? So, again, there's this terminology. The word Judea is a word that was applied to the land of Judah by the Romans and the Greeks and other people. It is not a term that uh, the Judahite would refer, uh, apply to him or herself. Okay? So we are Judahites. We are Israelites. We're not Judeans. The word Judean is a combination of Judah and Idumea. It's putting those two words together. Again, Cowdian? No, we're not cows, uh, cowboys and Indians. We are cowboys or Indians. One or the other. You can't be both. Back to you.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry for saying that the, but the white people are stupid as stupid can be. They are so pathetic and so yeah. worshipping their Jew God always. They, yeah. they are beyond belief how stupid they are. Yeah, blue-eyed, as the Swedes say. <laughs> Gullible! I, yeah, right? come on, okay. but it's silly. It's getting silly here to having yeah, so it, many... So pathetic and cowardless people, the only thing that you did, they put some shekels in their, in their pockets and then they shut up. They, they, they right. start, start, stop the reasoning because luxury is extremely seducing and that will not create real men. That is said create weaklings.
1: Right. Or, or straight razor-toting women either. <laughs> right. Okay, so please continue. I mean, we, we can see from the point of view of the author, he's got some things right but he still uses Judeo-Christian terminology. We have to ditch Judeo-Christian terminology altogether. Why? Because the words that the Judeo-Christian use have been taught to them by the Edomites to confuse yes. them. Okay? Please continue.
2: Uh, the natural read of the stories of Israel and Edom would have been Uh, To see Jacob as referring to the Jewish people and Edom as representing the Gentiles, yet St. Paul, mirroring the uh, inversion, which has taken place in the Roman community, reverses this for St. Paul in Romans 9 to 11. The Israel of Israel of God is the believing remnant of the Jewish people and the Gentiles who have been grafted. Um, and okay. in Jew, that community, while the unbelieving Jewish community is represented by Esau. Whoa, that was something correct from him.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's beginning to get it. Well, Paul talks about Esau as being condemned. He says that the Edomites are condemned. So how can they possibly be Jacob? That the world falsely believes because the Jews claim to be Jacob Israel they don't get who Esau Edom really is. They don't get it that the Jews are Esau Edom. Okay? So let me, uh, let me reread this uh, verse because he's got some things right and he's got some things wrong. Malachi prophesied in the 5th century B.C., well over a millennium after the lives of Jacob and Esau, and is very clearly speaking of the Reformed Judea, Judea which should be Judah, the house of Judah, the reformed house of Judah, which came back from the Babylonian captivity and reinstituted Yahweh's laws among themselves, that uh, under Persia and the nation of Edom. Okay, so he's saying that two different nations were put together, and we know the history, it was under John Hyrcanus, uh, Antipater, and Herod, that this merging of cowboys and Indians came about. But even, though, even so, Josephus clearly tells us in his writings that the Judahites resented Herod because he was not one of them. The Judahites resented having to be forced to live with Edomites in the same city, and it was primarily confined to the city of Jerusalem and not the countryside. He says the natural reading of the stories of Israel and Edom would have been to see Jacob as referring to not the Jewish people, but the Judahite people, and Edom as representing outsiders, as as the, he would say Gentiles, non-Israelites. Yes, the Edomites are non-Israelites. But he's still confused because he's using Jewish terminology. Gentile is a word invented by the Jews or inserted by the Jews into the Holy Scriptures to confuse us. Okay? And he he continues, Yet St. Paul, mirroring the inversion which has taken place in the Roman community, reverses us. Well, this is because Paul knows who a Judahite is and who an Edomite is. All right? Modern Christians don't. For St. Paul in Romans 9 to 11, the Israel of God is the believing remnant of the Judahite people and the non-Israelites who have been grafted into the community. No, they haven't been grafted into the com- community. Though It's the dispersed Israelites who have been grafted back into the community. And this is what he does not understand. While the unbelieving, he says, the unbelieving Judahite community is represented by Esau. No, the unbelieving Judahite community are the broken-off branch of Zerah Judah, and plus those uh, latecomers of Pharaoh's Judah who left uh, Judea, uh, left Judah, the house of Judah, the land of Judah, during those turbulent times of the Maccabees and the Hasmonean period, Okay. So you have to uh, that yeah, you're absolutely right, Michael. This terminology is very confusing because we are using Jewish uh, inserted words of the scriptures to try to understand a very yeah you know, the the Jews are pretending to be Israel, and they've told the world that we, the true Judahites and Israelites are Gentiles, okay, so he gets he gets the fact that Paul is reversing this language, but he doesn't understand why. Back to you.
2: Yes, it is now in modern time that we we have missed this racial racial importance, and that is why the Jews want to scrub that out of our subconscious mind. It is something called as race, because if we were more race conscious, we will understand what maybe better what Paul is speaking about. Right. Exactly. All right. Please continue. It is Esau who is the firstborn son of Isaac though only by a matter of moments. Genesis 25 verses 25 to 26. As the firstborn, he was the recipient of all the promises of God which had been made to Abraham and then inherited by his father Isaac. Amen. He had also inherited the commandment of the Lord to Abraham, of Yahweh to Abraham, to walk before him and be righteous. And that is Genesis seventeen verses one. And there is something he wasn't. He wasn't righteous.
1: Yeah, he wasn't. He disobeyed. Esau so he Esau was a curmudgeon <laughs> to use an old word. You know, he he was a dumbass. Yeah, and he was proud of being a dumbass. Back to you. Exactly. Okay.
2: Wait, where did my document go now?
1: If, yeah, Genesis ah, seventeen one, right, okay.
2: Yeah, but my mouse yeah. doesn't really work. Let's see now. Um, now
1: as St. Paul, let me pick it yeah. up since you lost your place. As St. Yeah. Paul argues in Romans 3, the means of this righteousness which God commands is faith. Well, Abraham believed Yahweh. And he did things by faith which weren't commanded. He he was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar because Yahweh sent an angel and told him to do that, right? But then Yahweh stopped him. He was just testing Abraham's faith. As we are all being tested daily in our faith, do we believe the scriptures or not? Do we believe the Jewish version of scripture or the true scriptures? This is the dilemma we are in in these end times, okay? Uh, so uh, so uh, uh, let me just read the next sentence. For Abraham and his immediate sons, this faith was in the promises of God which he had received. And one of those promises was that the Israel people uh, and would, would, would receive a redeeming Messiah. Only Israel was promised any such thing, and the, the covenant only applies to us and to no other people. Back to you.
2: Yes, and then, but for Abraham to participate in these promises, he had to believe that they were true. And if they were truly believed to be true, this um, would reshape the entire way in which he lived his life. The most notable example of this, of course, was Abraham's willingness to uproot his entire extended family and household from Ur and travel across the fertile present in the uh, belief that God would um, fulfill his promises and give him a lamb in Canaan, Hebrew, 11, verses
1: 8. Yeah, well, you had to trust Yahweh, okay? Yahweh asks us to do things that aren't in the law, right? And that's what Paul is saying. You, you have to have faith. You know, how many times has Yahweh proved his faithfulness to us? He is always faithful to us. He delivers the goods. He keeps his promises. The question is, do we as Israelites are faithful to him? Right? No, we are the weak link. Yeah, we are the weak link, that's right, exactly. But interestingly, <laughs> I, I'm noticing that your pronunciation, of the you're pronouncing it Canaan, which is probably the, the true pronunciation of the Hebrew word. Canaan. Okay. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. D- does the letter J exist in the Swedish language?
2: I don't know when it was brought into the into the Swedish language, but uh, it has been at least when I'm reading the Bibles from the uh, 1715 when written for uh, Karl den Tolfte, then I see the letter J in it. But okay. I I think I also have looked in some old ones, and then they have used the letter I instead. That's letter J is something that is, is put upon, is in, inserted into the Swedish language.
1: Yes, it's, it's been inserted into this. And how do you pronounce it? J. Ye. Well, Ye. It's, yeah, you pronounce it like a Y, like, as in German. Ja, yeah. yeah, not ja, Ya, yeah, correct? Exactly. Okay, that's the subject of my show on, on Voice of Christian Israel today, how the letter J was invented and inserted into the Bible. Okay, it never was in there. As you said, around the, sometime in the 1700s, it was inserted into the Swedish language. It never existed in the Swedish language until then. Please continue.
2: I mean, exactly. And then the Swedish language and the German language, they are very closely interlinked, But we have a I guess another dialect of the Germanic language, but it's yes. still a Germanic language we have here.
1: And Germanic is based on Hebrew. Anglo-Saxon is Hebrew, folks. It's Hebrew. Exactly. All right,
2: to, yeah. And same as English. You yes. have like school, school schule, um, and school.
1: Yeah. Schule, school. Yeah, it's different. You know, slightly different spelling, slightly different pronunciation.
2: Right. Yeah, and in Swedish it's skola. Uh. Okay. So it's very close to, it's the same as, maybe German. So you, you feel yourself at home with the German, because the German is very close to Swedish as well. well That's here, it, why before time, German was always the language we learned. It was a yes. German language.
1: Yeah, well, for example, the German word schule, S-C-H-U-L-E, has an E at the end of it, which gives the U a long U sound. We, have, we just spell it differently, and we don't say, do the S-H. It's school with a double O. Okay, but the same same sound as the German U. Okay, it seems to me uh, Swedish pronounces the E separately at the end. Schula.
2: Skola. It is oh. S K O L A. There's oh, oh, no skula. E in the end. It's an A. Yeah,
1: but the E at the end of the German word Schule is pronounced as an A in Swedish. Okay, that's what ah, it's, yeah. that's what it seems like is happening to me. Okay. Yeah. So it is. so so again, here we here we Israelites of the modern world make these broad assumptions that these words have always existed <laughs> from time immemorial. No, they haven't. The letter J never existed until modern times. Skola, okay, skull, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the one, the one Swedish word I know. Skull, okay, very good. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> right?
2: Yes, and the verse he has, Hebrew eleven eight. Ask you just read it. it is uh, so. It is uh, Hebrew eleven eight. Say by belief Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place um, which he was about to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going.
1: Yes. Very good. All right, Bavarian man inserts in the chat room. My great-grandmother, in 1730, married my grandfather. Both signed the marriage document. She signed Johanna, not Johanna, Lebing. But it is pronounced today as Johanna. But in German, it's not pronounced Johanna. It's pronounced Johanna as it is in Swedish, as it is in most of the European languages, which all derive from Hebrew it's still pronounced in most of those languages like a Y. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Johanna. (laughs) Brother Ebert says, I can't wait for the judgment day. (laughs) Neither can I. All right, please continue.
2: Let's continue. So, as Isaac's firstborn, Esau was the chosen recipient of these promises and the associated command. But in Esau's early life, we see Esau's unbelief displayed. Because Abraham believed in the promises of God, it was critically important to him that Isaac have a wife of his own people.
1: What did he say? What? (laughs) He has to marry within his own race? Is this a Judeo-Christian saying this? I'm hard to believe. Yeah, hard to believe. But that's what he's saying. Although he doesn't use the word race. <laughs> okay, back to you.
2: As he would be the father of nation, he goes out of his way to secure Rebecca for him. Isaac's if... relationship with Rebecca um, is uh, monogamous. And we are told in particular that he loved her. And that is from Genesis 24, verse 67. We see... By way of contrast, that Esau takes for himself two wives, both of them Hittites.
1: Oh! And now, wait a minute. Now wait a minute. This is a Judeo-Christian saying these things. He gets it. He gets that Esau married outside of his race. That was a sin. Although he doesn't call it a sin. Back to you. But <laughs> he maybe should understand it
2: when he see how God uh, uh, treats this. Yes, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, he should to somehow get it, or he maybe don't have the yeah, right. And,
1: and how evil these Hittite women were, <laughs> and, he, and Esau is now the father of the Edomites, okay, of all the Edomite tribes. Back to you.
2: And thereby grieves his parents. And that is from Genesis 26, verse 34 to 35.
0: Very good. While
2: this shows a lack of seriousness about the promises of God, there is an even more dramatic case. Esau takes the promises of God so lightly and considers them of such little value that he is willing to trade them for a single meal. And that yeah. is from Genesis 25, verse 34. And Unless... this is it this one? Um, Eli that the Jews say that that Jacob was a cunning one
1: yeah yeah Jacob obeyed Esau didn't i mean the, the judeo christian churches get it backwards you know because they think that Jacob tricked Esau into giving up his birthright no this guy has it right Esau despised his his birthright let me let me repeat the sentence you just said. Esau takes the promises of God so lightly and considers them of such little value that he is willing to trade them for a single mess of pottage or lentil stew or lentil soup rather okay this guy has it correct. The churches have it completely wrong. Back to you
2: yeah he he names it,
1: yeah. Amazing! Uh, <laughs> he actually mm-hmm. reads the Bible, right? Instead of repeating lies that we've been told by the Jews. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Esau was the chosen recipient of these promises, but he fell away because of his unbeliefs in the truth of them. Ah, yeah, fell away. Pra-
1: exactly. Pra- praise God for truth to- spoke, spoken plainly.
2: Yes. Uh, by his willingness to use treachery, to lay hold of them. Jacob shows that whatever else might be said about his character, he places high value on these promises and believes them to be true.
1: Okay, very he good. The there, through yeah, belief. Very good. That's excellent, except uh, Jacob did not practice the treachery. Uh, Esau came out from uh, hunting in the field, was very hungry, and there's no doubt in my mind that Yahweh put those words in Jacob's mind when Esau came to him. Sell me this day your birthright. This was an act of Yahweh. Okay. And Esau said, okay, <laughs> feed me. I'll be a happy man. <laughs> yeah. right? That's exactly what happened. And he says, Esau takes the promises of God so lightly and considers them of such little value that he is willing to trade them for a single meal. Who's the bad guy here?
2: It's not Jacob,
1: anyway. It's not not Jacob. No. That idea popped into his head. Do you think he was thinking about this before Esau arrived? Well, maybe he was. Maybe he realized Esau was really a a, a really shady character. And I'm sure uh, Rebecca, their mother, put these ideas in Jacob's mind in fact she told Jacob when you approach Isaac pretend to be Esau it was her idea not Jacob's idea Rebecca was the one who came up with that idea not Jacob Jacob was afraid (laughs) to do it because he was afraid that Isaac might recognize that he's not Esau right they blame Jacob for something that Rebecca that straight razor toting woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, good brave heart soul rebecca N- not a not a will o' the wisp like many israelites are not just women but men okay back to you
2: yes amen isa was chosen recipient of these promises but he fell away because of his unbelief in the truth of them that is amen. important to reiterate amen. by by his willingness to use treachery to lay hold of them. Jacob shows that whatever else might be said about his character, he places high value on those promises and believe them to be true. He receives the birthright through belief. The subsequent uh, narrative of the lives of the twins focus on God's dealing with Jacob, whom he renames Israel, in honor of his continual wrestling with him. That is from Genesis 32, verse 28. Jacob was not only the secondborn, but had grown wild and lived his life conning and being conned through trickery.
1: That's a, that's a blatant distortion. One act, one act where, where he said, Sell me this day your birthright in which clearly Esau was the evil one by regarding his birthright so lightly. And then here he repeats the the lie that he was a con artist. No, his mother put that idea in and said, he didn't think of that. So Jacob gets a bad rap because of these false misrepresentations of what actually happened. This is Judeo Christianity. Remember, he's still a Judeo Christian. He doesn't have it all right. He's just got some of it right. Back to you.
2: And then also we can also just as an point is also that why was Esau faint? Because he was running away from Nimrod's guard after he chopped off his head and right. took his mantle. That's probably yeah.
1: from Adam. That's right. That's in the Book of Jasher. Right. So whatever the reason, uh, Esau was. Uh, yeah, he was running scared, put it that way. He was afraid of losing his life. But why? Well, because he was a curmudgeon. You know, he was going out killing people. Who knows what else he was doing? Right? <laughs> right? But he was yeah. not obeying Yahweh's law and had no interest in it.
2: No, and he shocked off this name of
1: head. That's right. Okay, please continue. Um,
2: God, through his grace, um fought Thought out, Jacob's life transforms him into Israel. But what of Esau? Esau does not disappear from the story, nor is he rejected by God. Well, maybe he is, I would say.
1: He's totally rejected Uh, by Yahweh, totally.
2: Yeah, totally, after he did this. Neither, by the way, are his descendants Esau went to live in the land around Mount Seir, which was a part of the land promised by God to Abraham, his grandfather. There, though, Ishmael's daughter, his third wife, Esau made an alliance with Ishmael's extended family and drove out the inhabitants of the region, which would later become the land and nation of Edom, Esau's other name based on the ruddy hue of his complexion, Deuteronomy 2, verses 12. And this land isn't that a very rocky mountain. It's very rocky. It's like a rock. There is no fertile ground. They have their goats there and they... Yeah. based on what they
1: do, I guess it's too rough for cattle. Only goats and maybe sheep can live there. And essentially, the Edomites were goat and sheep herders. That's what they were. Okay, it was too rocky to actually grow crops either. But but of course, we know that uh, the the can- Canaanite seed line was cursed by the, the land not yielding for them. You know, they couldn't. They're not farmers. The Jews hate farming. They they can't farm. All right, but here, let me see. Uh, Hebrews 12:16. I'd like to insert at this point, where Paul says, "Lest there be any fornicator, fornicator. What's fornicator? Pornos, a male prostitute. Actually, race mixer is what it really means, or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his." Birthright okay Hebrews 12:16 back to you.
2: Yes, and that is also one of the Jewish big agendas is try to raise mix us away to do exactly the same thing that ISA did. Exactly yes and that will also put in a, yeah, a split into our cohesion society, and we can never recover from it really.
1: right. okay, very good. please continue.
2: At the end of Israel's wilderness wanderings, they came to the region of Edom. When they arrived, God warned them not to attack the Edomites, because God would not give to Israel even a foot of the land of Edom. Deuteronomy 2, verses 5. Uh, This is because God says he has given that land as an inheritance to Esau and his descendants. Their conquest of the land of Seir is directly paralleled with Israel's conquest of Canaan, Deuteronomy 2, verses 12. The author of Deuteronomy goes uh, so far as to call the people of Edom their brothers, Deuteronomy 2, verses 8. According to the epilogue to the Greek version of the book of Job, Job is to be identified as uh, um, Jobab, the grandson of Esau. Uh, that I cannot comment on, but would Job no. be an Edomite?
1: No, no, there, uh, there were Edomites named uh, Jobab, and there were Israelites named Jobab, so he's got that wrong.
2: Yeah, it must be yeah. wrong, yeah. because our scripture is not based on Edomite writings.
1: No, absolutely not. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, Yeah. again, uh, when... Yeah. the reason we're doing this article is to explain the differences between identity theology and Judeo-Christian theology. But this author has some things right, which is not true of most of Judeo-Christian theology. Back to you.
2: Yes. So, when Malachi announces judgment on Edom, it is judgment for the nation's sins and apostasy from true worship, parallel uh, to the judgment of the exile which had fallen upon Israel. Um, Chief among Edom's sin is not coming to its brother Judah's aid, against the Babylonians, but instead gloating at their defeat. Yeah, that is typical Edom. They are happy for their defeat.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, okay. So, for some reason, I've lost my document. I'll have to grab it again. So, please continue. Oh, no, wait a minute. Here, I found it. Okay. So, I was looking up a verse in in Romans where where Paul clearly says that Esau is a vessel fit for destruction. A vessel fit for destruction. The Judeo-Christians never quote that verse, and I wonder if this article does also. I don't think it does. So we'll have to visit that, because we're getting close to the end of this article. We'll definitely go there after we're done with this. Okay, back to you.
2: Yes, so the ending of Esau's story, however, is not only the destiny of his descendants. He returns in the story of his family to meet again with his brother Jacob. Jacob is terrified that Esau will kill him on sight after Jacob used treachery to lay hold of Esau's birthright and so sends his wife's children and belonging ahead um, to greet Esau first. When Jacob finally encounters Esau, what he receives from him is not violence or vengeance, but forgiveness and grace. Temporarily. Genesis three verse <laughs> 4 to 11. But is yeah. that genuine? Is it just no, a play? No,
1: it's not genuine. Okay. Because uh, uh, Esau vowed shortly thereafter to destroy Jacob. Okay. Yeah, so this was not a
2: show play as the Edomite dude. You're
1: right, exactly. Yes.
2: This display of warm love and forgiveness, I don't buy that.
1: <laughs> um, shows. Right, okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, he's got that totally wrong. Okay. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: that's back wrong. Shows that the faith uh, that was lacking in Esau in his early life had come to him in his later years. No, that is no, not true.
1: No, no, that's a complete balderdash. Complete garbage. Right. Okay. I'm glad we're getting to the end of this. It's starting to get really bad. Okay. Please continue. Okay. True joy and blessings
2: come when the brothers reconcile to one another and dwell in peace.
1: Yeah. No. They never did not. No. He he didn't read the rest of the story. Oh, my God. That's awful. Please continue.
2: There is nothing in the scriptures to indicate that ah. Esau, at the end of his life, was a wicked or unjust man, oh, an unbeliever, God. or a recipient of anything but blessings from That's God. Absolute... What kind
1: of that? Well, he started out by saying, Jacob, I have loved, Esau I have hated, and he, he doesn't trace the, the genealogy of Esau and how, how much everybody hates Esau in scripture. All of, virtually every prophet in the Bible condemns Esau. It's ridiculous what he's saying here.
2: Yeah, that all is right. made
1: up. Okay, yeah, uh, w- one more paragraph, and we'll, we'll get uh, back to the in truth. In the
2: story of Jacob and Esau, we will see all of the uh, themes which St. Paul will bring to bear in Romans 9-11. Uh, themes of unbelief and faith. Themes of gloating over a fallen brother. Themes of election and the um, sureness of promises and the forfeiture thereof by individuals, themes of God's continued faithfulness despite human sin, themes of God giving undeserved blessings to his people and through his people uh, to the entire world. Most importantly to understanding the um, culmination of this passage in 11 verse 25 to 36, we see that true blessings come in God's timing, through reconciliations and unity.
1: That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Only and among I, our people, not, not between Jacob and Esau. Okay, there was never any reconciliation between Jacob and Esau. This is pure Judeo-Christian mumbo-jumbo. Okay, and plus... propaganda. Yeah, propaganda. Here he, where he says, themes of gloating over a fallen brother... Jacob did not gloat over Esau. That's not stated in Scripture. He's making this up. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Um, one more one more sentence here, and we'll go to Romans nine and the story of Esau there. Yeah. God
2: uses even human unbelief and disobedience to bring about blessings of uh, mercy and grace.
1: Yes, to teach us to teach. Well, not Esau never learned that lesson. Esau is a curmudgeon, right? He he hasn't changed. He's evil. He never turned around. Back to you. One more, one more sentence here. This is maybe
2: more hogwash when I read this. Right,
1: Right. Judeo-Christian hogwash, right? Okay.
2: (laughs) Reconciliations between Jews and Gentile Christians in one body in Rome would bring that community blessings. Oh no, wouldn't.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Whenever we try to unify with Jews, we suffer. We suffer horribly. That's what the. That's why the world is in such a horrible state. He doesn't get it. All right, one more phrase here. And the greatest blessing yet to come when Jews
2: and Gentiles are reconciled in God's kingdom. That okay. is hogwash. Oh, yeah, that is more hogwash.
1: Total, total hogwash. Okay, it's Father Stephen de who is the pastor of Archangel Gabriel Orthodox Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. So he's an Orthodox theologian, doesn't get the distinction between Jacob and Esau. His Bible must not read the same as ours do, okay? So let's go to Romans 9, folks.
2: And, and yes, comment, Eli Harris. Yes, go he's ahead. He's a PhD in biblical studies, and we see... And we see the hardwash. What is what is he missing? We do a better job than what he's doing. I'm not bragging. But I'm just, no. when I see this final remark here, I feel this is more like artfully trying to to excuse, I don't know, God for he's saying this. Yeah. Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hate. And here he tried to bring it together. Like some, this feels like propaganda.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, it, he's an Orthodox Christian, uh, he's paid. He's actually paid as a father of the Orthodox faith to study the scriptures, and it shows he doesn't know the the story of Jacob and Esau. He knows it somewhat, but he doesn't know it thoroughly. Okay? So this is very, very interesting that uh, you know he would know part of the truth, which is better than most Judeo-Christians. He knows part of the truth, but he still doesn't get how evil Esau really is. He's ignoring that part of it. Okay. So everybody, turn, to pick up your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 9. We'll start with verse 15. For he, that is Yahweh, saith to Moses, I will have mercy. Uh, let me back up. Uh, Romans nine twelve. It was said unto her, meaning Rebekah. The elder shall serve the younger. Okay? So you can bet that Rebecca was very curious as to who would be born first, right? (laughs) Oh, no. Okay? And, of course, we know that uh, the two brothers, so-called, struggled within her womb. They were fighting each other even as she was pregnant. And she asked Yahweh, why am I thus? You know, this pregnancy is awful. I I, I don't like it. Anyway, as it was written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with Yahweh? Yahweh forbid. Okay, well, Michael, a lot of Judeo-Christians say that evil God Yahweh who told the Israelites to exterminate the Canaanites. How dare he give them such an order? How dare Yahweh say that Esau should be dispossessed of his birthright? He didn't, Yahweh didn't dispossess Esau of that birth. Esau dispossessed himself. Correct? Yeah,
2: he did it himself. Yeah. Um, and this is also they believe he is evil, but look at, at the one that that Yahweh saw his apple of his eye, and that was King David. The only right. thing David did was, was killing Edomite nation. He tried to obey right. God's law. And then yes. yeah, he and then yeah. unfortunately when Solomon came, he was too luxurious, he didn't keep it up really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that that document ends in the love 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 theology, right? Which has never worked. Absolutely has never worked. How many Christian missionaries have gone to Africa preaching love, 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 and have wound up in missionary stew? Right? How many how many missionaries have gone to Africa and said, "Well, as soon as we leave, the blacks revert back to their pagan ways." It's deceit, folks. It's in this case, it's self-deceit because there are so many Judeo denominations who are all about missionary you know missions in other countries when they should be missioning to other white people, right? But actually, I'm glad they're not, because they're teaching falsehood. Uh, you know, just take your message to Africa and see how well that works. It hasn't worked. It has not worked. They're not, they're not saving souls anywhere. They're not even saving their own souls, because they don't know the Scriptures. Let's continue. This question What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Again, and this uh, brings up the question, which is a problem I have with the non-seedliners. They believe that Yahweh commits evil acts. uh, Paul is saying in Romans, no, he does not. You better not say that. James says, no, you cannot impute evil to Yahweh. They misunderstand certain verses, believing that Yahweh does evil acts. No, he does not. He does righteous acts which seem evil to us. And the proper translation of such verses is that Yahweh uh, does calamity or executes judgment upon us, which seems evil to us. They haven't analyzed those verses correctly. Let's continue. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion so the god that created the universe and created our genome our dna and actually you know created esau's dna but who, whose dna are the edomites carrying today going back to their actual history through cain whose dna are you there, Michael? Okay. Yes, I'm oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Esau married and, into those Canaanite tribes, did he not?
2: Yeah, he did. So he—that's yeah. that, why they call the e, the Edomite and uh, the Canaanites and, and Edomite seed line the satanic seed.
1: That's because correct. Was the
2: Canaanites were also descended from uh, from um, that okay. e, from Kane. that uh, progeny that uh, uh, from Cain?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, as the Bible clearly says. But the non-seedliners don't want to go there. You know, and there are non-seedliners who even say that the Jews can be saved. I don't no, think so. No, they're not the devil. It's <laughs> not possible. Absolutely not. Esau is condemned, as Paul clearly says right here. I will have mercy. Well, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Maybe somebody can find the verse in the Old Testament where he says that. It may not say it in exactly these words. Uh, uh, Paul is paraphrasing here. So then is it not of him that willeth, of nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy? So it's... If we want to be merciful to the Jews, yeah, we can, but we do so at our own discredit and our our own terror and our own fault, right? But God that showeth mercy, you know, his mercy is the right mercy, not ours. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 17, for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Okay? All right? So Yahweh does use people, as he has used other nations, to chastise Israel time and time again. But our people, and certainly the Jews, refuse to admit they ever do anything wrong. Then if they are Israel, why do not do they not admit of chastisement? That's because they're not Israel. Okay? Verse 18. Go
2: ahead. Eli. yes. Um, this verse you yes, asked for this one I shall have favor whom I favor and I shall have compassion on whoever I have compassion right. I have a cross reference there to Exodus 33 verse 19 that is Go. said Go. and he said I shall cause all my goodness to pass before you and I shall proclaim the name of Yahweh before you and I shall favor him whom I favor and shall have compassion on him who I am compassion.
1: Very good. Thank you very much. Paul knows his scriptures. The Judeo's do not. Okay? They misrepresent Paul as being a universalist by inserting this word Gentile, which Paul never used that word. And when he used the word ethnos, he 98% of the time he's re- referring to Israelites and no other people. Okay? Let's continue. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy? and whom he will he will he hardeneth as he hardened pharaoh's heart okay uh, i think he did that to speed things up <laughs> right because the israelites uh needed to uh, because the whole uh story of messiah and the sacrifice on the cross was uh how should i put it uh, uh to, to the scripted to the minute from the day that yahweh created the universe until the crucifixion that had to uh, go to a specific timeline, okay? So that he couldn't have delayed any more. That's why he hardened the heart of Pharaoh at that point in time. That's my opinion anyway, okay? So, thou wilt say then unto me, why doth yet he find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Judeos resist his will mightily. They don't want to obey his commandments. They don't want to believe his word. Nay, but, oh, man, with G44, uh, Anthropos, oh, Adamite is really what this, it says. Who art thou that repliest against God, against Yahweh? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Are you going to complain to your creator? Why did you make me?
2: That's kind of hard.
1: Yeah. But that's what the churches are doing when they complain about Yahweh's actions.
2: Yeah, and they cannot, that's this this metaphor with the potter and that the clay would say, hey, why are you doing me like this?
1: Yes. Yeah, well, that's what Paul addresses very much next, okay? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make of one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Hello? Paul gets it. Father so and so doesn't. Verse 22. What if Yahweh, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Who's he talking about? Is. There it is, right there, folks. The Edomites. He's talking about the Edomites and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Who are those? It is us. Us, true Israel. And ultimately to the Adamites that we, we, we represent because we're, we're here to clarify the scriptures for all Adamites, not just for Christian Israel. But we are the leading tribe of all Adam kind. Which he had afore prepared unto glory. All right We have yet to see that glory. We've got a glimpse of it, but we're almost there folks. Please be patient. And comment
2: I also. read yes. in number 22. he said that, and if Elohim desired to show wrath and to make his power known, with much patience tolerated the vessel of wrath, prepared for destruction. Right. He had lot of patience for those people. Oh.
1: Yes, and for Man. us too, right? Uh, for us too, yeah, we yeah. too. The, the, the Jews exist to demonstrate how how not to do things. Oh yeah, that's the only reason they exist for. Us. It's part of the curse of uh, you know the, the uh, fall, going back to Genesis three fifteen. It's part of the curse of the fall, and then. Uh, okay, uh, let me repeat verse twenty-three, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which are the Israelites, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us. What tribe is he from? He
2: is from. He is a Benjaminite.
1: He's a Benjaminite. He's an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. Even us Israelites. Whom he hath called not of the Jews, not uh, only, not of Judah only, is what the, the translation should be, but also of the various dispersed Israelites. You see how the word Jew and Gentile has been inserted here to, to create a false impression of what Paul is actually saying? He's talking um, about us, Israelites, not Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah. And in the scriptures it is said Yehudim. Yes, that's correct, Yehudim. Which is the uh, 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 sorry Hebrew word, okay? But also of the nations. That that word is nations. It's not Gentiles. It's falsely translated as Gentiles to confuse the Christian reader. The nations of the dispersion is what he's talking about. And as he saith also in Hosea. I will call them my people which were not my people and her beloved which was not beloved. Why? Because in Hosea we were divorced. He divorced us. But he is alluring us back into his bosom because we are Israel. He's not alluring other people. See how these two words, Jew and Gentile, have been used to distort the meaning of the Scriptures? It's incredible, Michael. Absolutely incredible. (laughs) So, and he has said also that I will call them my people, which were not my people. Temporarily, we were temporarily divorced, but we were brought back into the fold at the cross. Paul is trying to explain to both Zerah Judah and the dispersed Israelites, hey, you are the Israelites, you are all promised that you would be redeemed at the cross, and here we are. That's all Paul is talking about. He's not talking about bringing in non-Israelites, uh, non-House uh, of Judah, non-House of Israel people. Absolutely not. Okay? Verse 26, And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, There they shall be called the children of the living God. Where? Where are we now? We true Israelites, where are we? The people of the world are going to call us the children of the living God once Yahweh destroys the Edomites.
2: Okay? Yeah. and The world is, is it also Paul said something, that the world is... uh, you know, yeah, the world is waiting on the sons of God to be, God be manifested because they're also suffering.
1: Yes. Not, yeah. not only we. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the whole, Paul says the whole universe is in travail in anticipation of the coming of the sons of God. Yeah, we. We yes, should make raise up yeah. to, to the world. Once, <laughs> once we wake up to who we are and start acting accordingly. Yes. Right? <laughs> okay. Not, not this ecumenism that the, this uh, Orthodox priest is preaching and that the Judeo Christian churches preach. No, that has never worked and never will work. Look at what's happened to Britain with their ecumenism with the Arabs and Islam. How's that working? Folks, not good at all. the churches preach lies still they will be destroyed because they, they are the false prophet which uh, revelation chapter 9 clearly says will be cast into the lake of fire along with mystery babylon okay michael thank you i think i hope we have clarified the issues for everybody and th- because the wording of the bible is so bad thanks to these falsely inserted words like jew and gentile and many others and uh, you know the The false uh, impression that we get that Jews are Israelites and that we are somehow Gentiles when, in fact, we are Israel. A a lesson that most Judeo-Christians still have to learn. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you for narrating. And, folks, uh, I I can't stay uh, to take questions. I have uh, too much uh, to do. I'm leaving for Illinois for a brief trip. So, I, uh, but I will be around for uh, my, my Sabbath meeting later on today so thank you Michael, take care everybody and here is a poke salad Annie to take us out, here we go
0: salad You <clears throat> know a girl lived down there and she'd go out in the evenings and take her mess of it it home and cook it for supper cause that's about all they had to eat they did all right. Now down in Louisiana, where the alligators grow so mean, the little girl that I swear to the world made the alligators look tame. Poke salad, Annie. Poke salad, Annie.